I'm Alex Escobar, and welcome to Screw the Stock Market, where we'll explore the world of alternative investments outside of the stock market so we can change our lives, take control of our future, and find those coveted low-risk, high-reward opportunities for building wealth. Let's do it. Hi, everyone. On our call today, we're talking with Aninzi Awana. She goes by Z. She's the owner of Awana Holdings and uh, the organizer of Nova Notes Meetup. And so she's a note investor, which is pretty interesting, at least for me as a real estate agent, a real estate investor. I know a a bunch of people who are flippers and wholesalers and syndicators and all that stuff, but I have never met a note investor before. And it's a pretty interesting topic. There's there seems to be a ton of flexibility to it. There seems to be a ton of opportunity there. And in particular, I guess I was interested in in seeing how many different exit strategies are possible depending on what happens in during your hold period. So it seems to be a really interesting topic that I'm going to be learning a lot about. And I hope you take a lot from it today. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Our guest today is Aninzi Awana. And I'm really excited. We've talked a few times before in the past. Zia, she likes to be called. She connected with me on LinkedIn a few months ago, and it just stood out to me. You know, I have a, as a real estate agent and someone who's been in real estate, I think I have a network of a lot of real estate investors, but I don't think I know any other note investors. And so this concept is something that has really been exciting for me. And I think, you know, you guys are going to get a lot of value from this call. So Z, thank you so much for joining us. And Absolutely. I'm just, thank you for um, having me. yeah. So please, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself uh-huh. and, and what this note thing is all about. I'll do that. I'll do that. So hi, everybody. My name is Anindia Wana, as Alex just said, and everybody affectionately calls me Z because they really can't say my name. So. <laughs> But it wasn't that bad, was it, Alex? It's not it that hard bad. at all. No way. So <laughs> that's a little bit about myself. I am the owner of Awana Holdings, and I run a meetup group called Nova Notes, and it is obviously geared towards mortgage note investing. And here's my contact information up here. As you can see, I'm everywhere. I'm on Facebook, YouTube, email, Instagram. You know, you'll be able to find me LinkedIn. But a little bit more about myself is by day, just a little trivia. (laughs) By day, I'm a federal contracting officer. I am a retired Navy veteran. I did 20 years in the Navy and retired almost 20 years ago, believe it or not. Mm. I know you you would never tell by my (laughs) Unbelievable. Right? (laughs) So, yeah. And, you know, retired. This started when you were 10. I know. That's what I tell everybody. (laughs) But, yeah, I um, am a federal contracting officer by day. And I started my business in 2018. I started Awana Holdings, which is actually formerly Awana Renovation and Holdings. And as you can guess, I, I started the business to go into fix and flips. And I was at a, um, a mortgage expo in Baltimore, what, early 2019, went to this expo expecting to meet a bunch of other real estate investors and, um, you know, what do you call them, hard money lenders and things like that to, you know, just build up my network of other investors in the uh, renovation space. 
And lo and behold, there was a um, a couple of people there talking about mortgage note investing. And I was like, mortgage note investing? What is that? You know, they didn't know anything about notes. So I went and sat in on this presentation about mortgage notes. And I was like, what? No, no way. <laughs> you could buy people's loans, their mortgages at a discount. And guess what? Most people need somewhere to live. Most people have a mortgage unless they've paid their, their home, paid for their home outright, which I don't know many people that do unless they're, you know, wildly wealthy. And I don't know many people like that, but that's I don't how I think it's a good idea, even if you can do it. Yeah. I think well, use the leverage. But, yeah. But believe it or not. There are a lot of people that do it, but for those that don't, we, regular old investors, can buy those mortgages at a discount. And we'll get into a little bit about that further on in the interview, because I have a slide here to kind of illustrate what I'm talking about when I you, say that. Did but you know it, I used to be a math teacher? I, yeah, I know, like, well, yeah, math people are really, you know, it's visual a lot of the time. Could, yeah. I think it'll help. Thank you. And That's I'm great. telling you, even before, even before that, I think we, we talked a little bit more about why you would be the perfect candidate to be a note investor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to out you, but... <laughs> <laughs> I have secrets. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I, after I um, went through that seminar, um, little presentation and everything, I ended up signing up for the training. And I flew out to California and I took this training with this uh, program called the Note Assistance Program. Now, I'm not selling their uh, training or anything like that. That's just who one of the people that I received my um, mortgage note training from. And what they deal with is training in mortgage note investing in the first position. I mean, you know, you have loans that can be in the first position or the second position for those people that may have like a HELOC or something like mm -hmm. that. That would be considered a second position. And then you have notes that are performing, which means that the borrowers are paying their mortgage or non-performing, which means that obviously they're not paying their mortgage or they're in, you know, some kind of a foreclosure. Oh my, it's so, I don't even want to get ahead of myself because it's so much. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. But I guess one thing I do want to just stop and highlight is this. First of all, you took the time and you already were going down this path even before mm -hmm. you found notes. But one thing that's really powerful and I've started to believe in it more and invest in it more is the, the power of these trainings, right? I know if I would have gone to an event like that, years ago before I, I kind of had this change in mindset. And I said, okay, cool. That's cool. Notes. Oh, they're just trying to sell me a training. They're just trying to sell me something. But the fact that you're, you know, you're investing in your own knowledge and your own self, I think is just one of the really powerful things that helps people to kind of reach those next levels. And so it's, it's true. It's true. But I have some statements on that as well. Later on okay, in great. this conversation, I have some thoughts about some trainings and things out there. Training is good. Okay, I, great. I, I have two master's degrees for, for Pete's sake. So I believe in training and education and all that, all that good stuff. So, but, you know, you don't want to get what they call uh, analysis paralysis mm -hmm. that a lot of people get, you know, where you, you're buying every book, you're going to every training, you're, you know, watching every YouTube video, doing all the stuff and you never actually you know, jump and get into the game and, you know, buy a property or, or in this case, buy a note. So I've been there. That. That's my, that's my personality type. I'm definitely <laughs> so you have to analyze one to continue to dig. Yeah. Information and do it. And I did all of that as well, because I, I took not only the training, 
for um, first position notes once I learned about it that I took another training in second position notes. I took, <laughs> you know, I took a training in raising capital. I took, you know, I got every book here that you can think of on note investing. And, you know, of course, you know, you join all the Facebook groups and get to learn other people in the note space. So the note space is, is kind of a small niche in, in the scheme of things when it comes to real estate investing, because a lot of people, a lot of investors don't really know about it. So it's my duty here to educate people and, and spread the word to my community and people that look like me, more importantly, about this alternative investment. I mean, and it's not new. It's, it's not, you know, I'm not the only one that's ever done it. And there's been <laughs> plenty of people before me, but it's just probably not one of those things that a lot of our community knows about. And it, it is a powerful, powerful tool on the way to generating some, some uh, generational wealth. So with that, I'm going to take you to this other slide that I have here. Okay. Just to talk briefly, like I, I said in the beginning, about what an actual mortgage note is. So very simply, if you go to the bank and you want to get a loan on your mortgage on a house that you've seen. So as a flipper, let's put it in, in that way. When you go and you get a, a even a hard money loan, for that matter, if you get a hard money loan on a home as a, a real estate investor, you own that property, right? And you're paying the money back to your hard money lender, right? Yeah. So if what happens if you don't pay that money back to your hard money lender? What's he going to do? <laughs> they, take, they take the house. He's going to take that house, right? Exactly. What happens? So in the same premise, with a note investor, except for when I buy your mortgage loan, I own your loan. I don't own your house. You still own your house, but you're going to pay me your mortgage payments the same way that you've been paying a traditional bank. So that the big distinction when you're talking about mortgage notes and regular real estate investing, if you will. As uh, mortgage note investors, we call ourselves the bank. When we you hear somebody say "be the bank," <laughs> that's us. We that's are, exciting. We own your loan. We are lien lords. We're not landlords. <laughs> I like that. And that's happened to me too, right? Just as a as a homeowner, I bought uh -huh. this house, and I think one year later, well, actually, the the originator of the loan, right, was the guy that I know down the street. I do business with him all the time as a real estate agent. He was my lender, and then you know they they initiated it. They sold it to I think it was like. Wells Fargo. Mm -hmm. Wells Fargo held it for like six months. Then they sold it to and Quicken Loans. Yep. And then Quicken Loans held it for another six months. Then they sold it to some other company. I don't even. And you know, and you know, every time each one of those companies or banks, every time each one of those banks sold that loan, they sold it at a discount from whatever you owed on it. So let me give you an example. And unfortunately, I don't have a, a visual slide for you, but let's say you had um, a loan on a home for $100,000. Okay. You're paying your mortgage and you're still going to continue paying your mortgage no matter how many times that mortgage transfers over to another bank or servicer. You still owe $100,000 on that loan. Let's say you paid it down, I don't know, maybe seven. $75,000. So the balance that you owe is now $75,000. So when Quicken decides to transfer your loan to the Bank of Awana, 
<laughs> I'm going to buy that loan for maybe $65,000. That's a discount. Even, But you still owe the $75,000. Make no mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't buy it for $75,000. I bought it at a discount from the balance owed on it. So typically, let's say you were still paying on your mortgage on time, never had any, you know, blips or late or anything like that. Your mortgage would sell for more because it's what we would consider a performing loan, performing note. Let's say, Alex, I don't know, something happened and you ran into some ungodly financial crisis and you weren't able to pay your mortgage. We would then consider that a non-performing loan. You still owe $75,000 on the mortgage, but now I could probably get your mortgage for thirty-five dollars or $40,000 because it's non-performing and I can get an even bigger discount. So you wow, might say, okay. well, why would the banks let those loans go for that small amount or that big of a discount? Because banks have millions of loans. And and even before they get down to a little tadpole note investor like myself, they go through hedge funds. They go through, they sell these loans off in what we call tapes. That's like a bulk listing of all the loans that the bank is trying to get off of their books. And when they do that, some investors, some larger note investors, buy like thousands of loans, millions of dollars worth of loans at a time. And then they sell them off downstream. And then, you know, the next investor sells them off until they, you know, get down to us. I mean, it's something for everybody because it's billions of dollars of loans out there, right? So once they do that, let's say it comes. To, to me, you know, I just buy a one-off note because I'm not a big note investor like that yet. <laughs> like so that, yeah. I'm buying, I'm buying onesie twosies here and there as I can afford them. And so let's say I bought your non-performing note for, I don't know, $35,000. What I'm going to do is because now I'm the bank, I have the power to modify your loan. I'm going to reach out to you or my servicer is going to reach out to you, Alex, and he's going to say, hey, Alex, you know, we've been trying to reach you. We're trying to work something out with you. Don't you want to modify your loan to maybe bring it current and maybe we can uh, adjust your payments or, you know, something of that nature. Maybe put your, your arrears behind, you know, on the end of your loan, you know, something like that. We would have the power to do that. As the bank, we have flexibilities as note investors that the big banks and traditional banks don't have. They're not going to go through all the trouble of trying to foreclose on the $35,000 loan. It's just not worth their time. So they sell them off to distressed note investors like myself. Put it in a nutshell. <laughs> That's good. Okay. So you you get it at a great discount. Mm-hmm. And that was what, like... That's probably like a 50% discount, what you said, right? In, in that example. The prices have been going up a little bit lately. So people are paying a little bit more for them, even though they are non-performing. But you get a pretty good discount. And a lot of that is going to be calculated and depend upon what kind of return the investor is looking for. Investor meaning myself. And it's going to depend a lot on whatever their bottom line is. So, like I said, for me, just being a small note investor like I am right now, I have a lot more flexibility than some of the larger note investors who actually have funds where they invest in 
notes and they have investors, other investors that they have mm-hmm. to provide a, uh, a minimum return to. So that's a little bit different or even just for them themselves. Maybe they, they have a, a bottom line yeah. that, you know, they have that they will t- will or will not take a loan for. So it, that's going to vary widely among now, investors. So when you talk about these modifications, can we just do like one example? So let's say, okay, I'm behind on my loan, let's say six months, right? Oh, I have been able to pay Say there was some crazy worldwide pandemic or some mm-hmm. some crazy unthinkable thing that could happen and I lost my job or something and I couldn't pay for six months, then they sell it to you. What are the options that you have that the bank doesn't have? So you you briefly discussed them, but right. like I just I'm curious like what that actually looks like. Now, now let me back up now. It's not that the banks don't have those same options. They do have those same options, but those banks are so large. And they have so many loans that they can't go after everybody that is, <laughs> you know, behind on the loan or foreclose on them or, you know, oh, then the borrower wants to file bankruptcy and all this other stuff. So that's how that flows downstream to the smaller um, note investors. Okay, but okay. some of those options are, so let's say, okay, six months you were behind, you didn't have a job, now you have a job because there always has to be the ability to pay, mm-hmm. right? You have to be able to pay your mortgage if I'm going to make any kind of arrangements or deal with you. So let's say you were behind six months. Now you got your job back, back to work and, and, you know, income is coming in regularly. Maybe you're not even making as much as you were before you were laid off or lost your job. So what's going to happen is the first thing that's going to happen, and I bought this note, first thing is going to happen is I'm going to do what's called boarding your loan with a loan servicer, okay? Okay. So that servicer is still going to be the one to collect your mortgage payments. They're going to escrow your taxes and insurance if that's one of the conditions of your loan. They're going to take care of all of that. And then once you send in a payment, they're going to send me the payment. I don't collect the payments personally. They come from the servicer to me. But even So they don't know your address. They don't know your phone number. Correct. Yeah. Nobody's calling me like, you know, hey, I can't. It's not like being a landlord where yeah. you know, some of your tenants may know, you know, who you are, what your address is, your name, your phone number. I don't want anybody riding up to my house, you know, <laughs> talking about I can't pay my mortgage. <laughs> it doesn't work that way because you're not going to go to to Bank of America or Wells Fargo and, <laughs> you know, you're not going to go by the bank residence house, right? Exactly, so yeah. Same premise, the same premise. But but so one of the first things that we would do is um, once I've purchased your loan, you're going to get what's called a welcome letter from okay. the servicer saying, hey, uh, Alex, your loan has been transferred to Awana Holdings. And now you're still going to, your payments are still going to be the same. You're still going to send whatever you're sending to the address and, and everything that they provide you. But if you were behind, that letter is going to be a welcome letter, but it's also probably going to say, we want to you know, contact the customer service center of the service or the mortgage service. We want to work something out with you, you know, if you're having troubles or whatever the case may be. But before all of that happened, I would have already given the servicer instructions on what to modify your loan to. So the servicer could do a modification. 
you could put those six months of arrears, those late payments, maybe say at the end of your loan. Or, or like I said, maybe if you're making less than what you were making originally before you lost your job, they would do what's called a financial plan, if you will, to see what your ability to pay is. So maybe, maybe your mortgage payments are $500 a month. And now since you're making less, maybe you can only pay $400 a month with taxes and insurance and everything. So the, the service is going to go through that financial plan and they're going to see whether or not you're able to afford the $400 a month. Great. If you can, we'll do up a new uh, modification to your loan. And then those payments become due. It's almost sort of like a refinance, really, but not really a refinance. Mm-hmm. It's just a modification to the terms of your loan. Because again, you still owe the $75,000. And your payments are just going to change now. So that may either increase the length of your loan for the, the number of years that you have remaining, or as the bank, I may even, I have the power to even just say, hey, you know what, let's start fresh. If you can afford the $500 a month payments, let's wipe out what you owed us. Let me see if you can pay, let's say if you pay on time for the next six months, I'll, I'll waive the previous six months that you wow. were late. I, w- I would that's, have the power to do that. So that's pretty cool because that's like a win-win, right? You can find a win-win right. agreement. We, we, want, we want people to stay in their homes. That's the point because you want the payments, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't Very really want to kick you out of your house or foreclose on it because guess what? That's going to mean money that I have to spend on an attorney, money to have to, you know, get you kicked out and evicted. We don't have to go through the courts in some cases, you know, it's a whole lot of things. So maybe somebody even wants to walk away. We'll do in that case what's called a deed in lieu, a deed in lieu of foreclosure, right? That just means that the person is going to sign away their rights, meaning that they're not going to, you know, go file for foreclosure. I mean, for a bankruptcy and we don't have to foreclose. Maybe we'll give them $500 or something to just leave, make sure you leave the house in good condition. And then at that point, I own the property. Right? After I've, you know, gone through the procedures to get everything, then I can do what's called seller financing on it. So I can put the house up for sale and have somebody else buy it and just create a new loan for them. I could rent it out. I could use it as a rental if I wanted to. But we don't want to do rentals. So, <laughs> but if I wanted to, I could. I could take it and renovate it and fix and flip it because guess what? Remember, I didn't pay $75,000 for this loan, right? I only paid $35,000 or $40,000 for it. So maybe I can put $20,000 into it and, and renovate it and then sell it. But I won't be selling it for $75,000, I'll be selling it for whatever the value of the home is, which is probably likely going to be in the $100,000 range, right? Wow. So there's there's so many what we call exit strategies Mm -hmm. to be able to exit a property or exit a loan, I should say. But if it came to the point of having to foreclose on it or, you know, go through all of those steps, there's so many different ways that you can do it. And Sky's the limit, really. <laughs> wow. Okay. One of the things that I think is often a barrier to entry for people from getting into real estate flipping or, you know, buy and hold kind of investing is there's a pretty big upfront cost, right? You need 20% down, at least here in the DC area where we both live, it's 
expensive. You need $100,000, $200,000. What are the general kind of price ranges and other barriers to entry that we might have if we were to get into note investing? So that's a good question. So note investing is not one of those things where you're going to get into it with no money. Don't let anybody ever tell you that, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the great things about note investing is you can do it anywhere <laughs> in any state. Oh, okay. Because remember, we don't own these properties, right? We just own the loans. You can take a loan anywhere. Now, there are, let me give a caveat, there are certain states that require you to have a license in order to invest in notes. A couple of them off the top of my head that I can think of are Ohio, Georgia, I believe has one now. Don't make me lie. There are a few others, (laughs) but not. there are, are less that have licensing requirements than there are that don't. So, but more states seem to be trying to move towards requiring some kind of license to collect on debt and and things like that and invest in notes. Thank you so much for listening to the show. It's a big step to realize that there's a whole world of opportunity out there for you. And then you've already started to dive into your education, which is required to be able to navigate the world beyond the stock market. But the next step is to take action. So if you want a chance to invest with me and my team, sign up for our investor club at legatoinvest.com invest. We'll schedule a call with you, get to know you, your background, and your investment objectives. And if there's a good fit, we'll start to present you with live opportunities to invest in multifamily apartment deals. So again, legatoinvest.com invest. Thanks again. So are you not allowed to lend in those states? Um, you, can you not lend your... you're not allowed to lend because if you were a lender, you would have to have what's called a lender's license, mm-hmm. right? And that's different than like a loan originator. I think that may be what you're thinking about. So a loan yeah. originator, they have to, to have a license. They have to have their own. <laughs> yeah, that's a different broken. But remember, that's not what note investing is. So although we are a lender, we would be considered a lender in in the world of banking in order to collect on that loan. That's what where Ohio and Georgia and a few other states require you to have a license. So, again, remember when I was talking about sometimes a homeowner may decide to go into bankruptcy or even if not even going into bankruptcy, but if they were delinquent on their loan and we move to foreclose on it, we have to have be licensed in order to collect. Of course, we do all of that through attorneys and everything, but still as the lender, we would have to be licensed to collect on the debt for those Very couple of states, those few states that require it. Okay, so so the license might be one barrier to entry. Licensing is not really a barrier to entry because remember there are only a few states that require licensing. So we have how many how many states do we have? <laughs> About fifty. You got forty. Plus or minus a few territories, yeah. Right. So you got. Oh, can you do territories states? too? Yeah. Right. Yes, territories too. Hawaii, Puerto Rico, all of them. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Don't don't let that limit you. You know, yeah. a lot of people get scared about that when you know they have certain requirements from certain states, but that's only a couple and that's only for right now. So uh, a lot of other barriers, I should say, to entry are, um, and I, I 
wouldn't even call it a barrier because really it's just going to depend on how much capital you have to invest. So the bigger costs that come with note investing is, I would say, people not keeping enough of a cushion. So we like to say to keep at least $5,000 set aside for each note that you buy. And that's basically for carrying costs, legal costs, you know, things like that. Licensing, maybe taxes, insurance, stuff like that. Those are kind of ancillary costs that come along with each note. Servicing costs, Mm-hmm. Those are things that come come along with each note that you may purchase. A lot of people invest out of what's called the self-directed IRA, and um, that's how they increase their wealth in their retirement accounts. Um, I don't do that right now. I'm looking into doing it. I, um, I'm just straight cash, you know, just wire the cash and, <laughs> you know, send me my, my paper. And yeah. That's it. I'm good. And, I'm glad you mentioned uh, that because, you know, that's kind of been the impetus of this, right, is my uh-huh. first raise where I was raising money for an apartment building. And I reached out to a friend and I said, hey, I got this awesome opportunity. It's going to make you good money. It's stable. It's real estate. We got a bunch of tenants in there that are going to be you know, paying this rent and it'll be our passive income and you're going to get really good returns. And she said, no, you know, I'm too busy investing for my retirement in the stock market. <laughs> I was like, the stock market? Stock market sucks compared to this, but you know, I didn't push, right, right, uh, because you know people have their their ideas. But it just kind of hit me that for her, the word investing means the stock market, right. and that's why I made this show is because yeah. screw that, like there's a whole world out there of things that are going to be better, better returns, and and so that might be one of the things that we it's close. Better, it with. It's better. It's better returns, and it's backed by collateral. Beautiful. Backed by real property. So like I said, even if one of the risks obviously is the loss of capital. However, in the case of mortgage note investing, even if you decided as a a borrower to go into bankruptcy, we would move to foreclose. We you got your plan B the right property there. Back. It, yeah. It's going to take a little bit because it takes some patience. You know, it's not an overnight thing. There are timelines and processes to go through for each um, transaction. However, at the end of it all, you're going to get the property back. And then once you get the property back, you can do whatever you want to do with the property. Like I said earlier, you can mm-hmm. sell it. You can make it a rental property if you want to. You could do a seller financing on it and then you're still getting the payments back anyway. You can renovate it and sell it. You know, 50 million ways you can do it. Some people, if they get them back, they take them and make them into like Section 8 rentals. You know, that's guaranteed money from the government. Right? Yeah, that's a reliable tenant. You You didn't pay market value for the house. (laughs) You know? Okay, so like I think... as a real estate agent, I get paid in commissions, right? Sometimes I'll just get a, an extra commission out of nowhere. Like I'll get a phone call, say, hey, I want to write an offer. I write an offer, we get a contract, it sells, and I'll make 10, 15,000 bucks. And I'm like, okay, that's great. I'm very thankful for that. I want to put that money to work, but I can't go out and buy a house for ten, fifteen thousand $15,000. That's not even really most of the time enough for a down payment. My prayer, my prayer. <laughs> so... What should I do? You can't buy a you can't buy a house. You know, I don't know if I told you about my my note that I bought in Alabama for a thousand dollars. I bought this note for a thousand dollars. I can't remember if I was telling you or someone else, but that sounds familiar. I think yeah, I think I our audience that. would love to hear about that one. All right. So I bought this note 
And, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of capital starting out. As a matter of fact, I had to sell like my last rental. I sold that in order to raise my capital to buy notes. And um, one of the things I wanted to do was start at a low cost note, obviously, because I didn't have that much capital. I had more than a thousand dollars, but I didn't have, you know, have a whole lot of capital. So one of the, the ladies, I bought it from the note assistance program. And when she sent me the list of notes for sale. There was one on there in Alabama and I looked at it and I did what's called due diligence. When you're researching a note, you do what's called due diligence. And what that entails is number one, getting somebody out there, a realtor or someone out there to take pictures, put eyes on the property, make sure it's there for one thing. <laughs> it's not like <laughs> burned to the ground or something like that. There's been times where people buy notes like in bulk and then find out, hey, they demolished the house. Maybe the county demolished it or, you know, some kind. Wow. And, you know, nobody knows. The banks don't know because remember, they have hundreds of thousands of loans. They're not keeping track of them, especially the smaller dollar value loans. Who knows, right? So as a note investor, one of the first things that you do is your due diligence. You get out there, get somebody to get some pictures, get eyes on, on the property. Then you're going to find out what kind of taxes are owed on the property. You have to find out whether it's in bankruptcy. Is there um, some kind of uh, tax liens on it? Maybe it's a mechanics lien on it. All these other you know, variables that come into play what kind of condition the property is in. So anywho, I did all of that with this note and and it was a low dollar value note. So I'm like, oh, okay, looks like I can do that. So in, in doing my due diligence, I went to this company called BPO Photo Flow. And what they do is they go out and take pictures of the property to see whether it's occupied or unoccupied. Is it still standing? You know, if they can get, you know, to the back of the house or whatever, they'll do that. They'll take pictures of the neighborhood, the streets and all that stuff. So this person, I'm assuming it was a realtor. So she sends me back the pictures, but in her comments, I never had this happen before. In her comments, she said, this is a bad neighborhood. <laughs> and I'm like, this is a bad neighborhood. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to buy a note there. So I go back to my seller and I'm like, yeah. Um, I said, the comments came back that this wasn't, wasn't a good neighborhood, but it was a cute little house. You know, everybody has to have somewhere to live, right? It may yeah. not be where you would particularly live, but somebody's living there and guess what they're doing? They're paying the mortgage, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't care what it's like. I'm not you don't have to there. live there. Yeah. I'm living there, but I said at first, and, and I changed my theory about this. I said, well, I was, I was only going to buy notes where if something happened, it would only be some place that I thought that maybe I could live, but that's unrealistic, right? So, <laughs> so I, I looked at the house and uh, I thought it was a cute little house, but I'm like, shit, it's in a bad neighborhood. But again, why do I care, right? I'm not living there. Right? <laughs> These people are living there and they're paying the mortgage. So, but I went back and I said, well, you know, I don't think I'm going to do it because they said it was in a bad neighborhood. And she's like, you know, all right because I was buying another note in Massachusetts as well. So she said, well, here's what I'll do. I'll throw it in with the other one in Massachusetts and I'll give this one to you for $1,000. And I'm like, mm, okay, all right, I'll go for it, right? And, it, and it, it's only $1,000, right? Either I'll get it back or I'll have to pay a lawyer to go through foreclosure. Okay, so now looking at the values and everything, because we go through rental meter and all this stuff to see if I got the house back and I needed to rent it, you know, what kind of rents could I get? If 
obviously the value of the home. If if I, you know, needed to take it back and sell it, what would what would it sell for? This one came in at about forty thousand dollars. It's in Alabama now, mind you. Again, cost of living very low. So mm-hmm. oh my God, okay, no problem. She said I throw it in for a thousand. So I buy the note. It was non-performing. They hadn't been paying. We were, I don't know, maybe four or five months into COVID by then. And um, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to board this with the loan servicer and I'm going to have to immediately start foreclosure proceedings. But what's the problem with that? Everybody was in foreclosure moratorium. So you couldn't even, (laughs) you couldn't even foreclose on anybody. Ah, okay. I'm not losing anything except my thousand dollars, right? So I'm thinking, okay, I'll wait. And um, by the time they lift the moratoriums, I'll, you know, call around, get a good attorney and and just start, you know, seeing if they want to work something out or whatever. That never happened because about a month later, I get a check. I'm like, well, what's this? <laughs> the servicer sends me a check. I think it was like 300 and some dollars, if I remember correctly. And uh, I'm like, oh, they made a payment. They were trying to catch up. Looks like they were trying to catch up. Following month, I get a double payment. Then following month, I get another payment. I'm like, oh, what? It's a performing loan now. So how much is it worth now? I have made my money back. My little thousand dollars, I made that back then some. They've been paying regularly since then. I know they missed one partial payment. Mm -hmm. But for all intents and purposes, they are back performing now, right? So I am now the holder of a note. Um, let me see the unpaid balance when I bought it. I want to say it was like $22,000. So they owed $22,000 on the loan that I bought for $1,000. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's huge. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Now I'm getting... $378 a month, well, $274 a month is mine because the rest of it is insurance and tax escrow. So $274 a month I'm getting for my $1,000 investment. For like right? four months, you're back break even and everything. Oh, I've been broke even on that. <laughs> I'm way surpassed that. I'm, I'm making profit right now. <laughs> As long That's as they continue huge. paying. And they have maybe another, I think, 11 years left on their loan. <laughs> so now, okay. here's the good thing about that. But hold on. Okay. Here's the good thing about that now. So let's say for the next 11 years, they stay paying their mortgage. Fine. Great. I get that $274 every month for the next 11 years. Let's say by some miracle that they decide they want to pay off the house. Guess what I'm getting? Not a thousand dollars, but the balance of whatever it is that they owe the twenty two or twenty one thousand dollars. So the worst case, you might just get a big payday at the end a little early. So so I guess that that for some reason, that would be a best case scenario. Yeah, (laughs) maybe not the worst case would be because they weren't answering any any phone calls that, okay, I couldn't make any arrangements with them to, you know, try to either bring the loan current or, you know, maybe do a loan mod. I could have even done a forbearance for them. I would have been well within my rights to do that. But let's say they didn't want to do any of that. And I decided, okay, now I have no choice but to move to foreclose on the house. They haven't lifted the foreclosure moratoriums in a lot of states. I don't know if Alabama is one, but 
they would have got a nice letter from the servicer via my attorney saying, you know, okay, Awana Holdings is moving to foreclose on this home. That typically prompts borrowers to action. You get a call then (laughs) if they want to keep the house. Now, you know, different people have different reasons on why they want to either let go of the house or why they want to keep the house. You might look at it and see a shack and say, you know, what are they holding on to? But some for some people, that's all they have. And that's all right. I want to help you stay in your house. Yeah. So, so the last thing that occurred to me was maybe not the last thing, but one thing that occurred to me was <laughs> the the amortization schedule, right? Since mm-hmm. you know how at the beginning most of the money from your thousand dollar payment, a big chunk of it, I don't know if it's like half of it or a big chunk of it goes to interest, and then as you go, it gets less and less and less. So with a loan like that, where it was towards the very end, how much of it is actually? Oh, I guess does it matter anymore? Because well, now here's the thing. A lot of these loans have very high interest. Oh. They're not, we're not talking about these 2%, 2.5% loans <laughs> like we have now. You're talking a lot of these people have 9%, 12% interest on, on some of these loans. And not all of them are 30-year loans either. Some of them were maybe 15-year loans, maybe 20-year loans, you know, things like that. But also they're smaller, I shouldn't say smaller dollar value, but they're less than $150,000, a lot of them. And even some of the ones that are over that amount have pretty high interest on them, talking seven, 8% range. And I guess it doesn't matter in an example like that, right? You paid a thousand dollars. So who cares if a big chunk of that is interest or principal, you get it all anyway, and it's all- I'm getting the principal and the interest. That's crazy. I hadn't thought about the principle. That. It's irrelevant. This is what I'm trying to explain to you. <laughs> I'm getting the principle and the interest. And so I will say the only negative, even if it's a negative, is because I'm not doing it in an IRA, in a self-directed IRA, because I'm not investing out of a self-directed IRA. The income is taxed as ordinary income. Oh, okay. So it's not even taxed like a passive real estate income the way you do when you have a a rental property. Correct. Oh, wow. Okay. Because remember, you don't own the property. Oh, so this technically isn't real estate investing. You don't own the property. Wow. Not really real estate investing until you own the property. (laughs) That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Own the loan, not the property. You are the bank. You got to put on your banker's hat. Yeah, it's very different. I mean, just that, that interest and in principle thing is... It's a mind shift for property investors to kind of make the, the leap over to actually being the bank now. All right. Well, I'm sold. And, and oh, so and I don't think I answered your earlier question about the price point, I guess, to get into it. And I briefly touched on something when we had our previous conversation about partials and and because I don't want to I don't want to lose anybody, but I'm going to try to simplify it to where let's say you only had ten thousand dollars to invest. You could do what's called a partial. Some investors sell what's called a partial, which is part of a mortgage note. That just means that you're buying a certain number of payments up front, 
let's say you're buying, I don't know, three years worth of payments and your three years worth of payments equal to $10,000 on, on a note. So let's say you'll, you'll be getting, I'm not, I'm not a math major, but let's say you'll be getting $500 a month because you, you invested your $10,000 and you bought a par- partial note from someone and now you'll be getting $500 a month for the next three years on a performing note. And this That's is not a problem for the person selling the note because typically they're investing out of their retirement account. And then they have, let's say it was a 30-year mortgage. They sold you three years worth of the mortgage. They still have 27 years worth of payments to go <laughs> before the mortgage is going to be paid off, right? Or even if it was a 15-year mortgage, they still have 12 years of payments in their retirement accounts to go. Okay. It is an awesome Awesome, awesome alternative investment. Okay, so I'm sold. <laughs> Let's assume the audience is sold. Someone out there heard about this. Right. You just blew their mind. Notes <laughs> are real. I can do this. My what is mom, what's right? the next step? What do you think <laughs> is the next step for someone like me, right? Like I told you, I get commissions and I'm like, man, I wish I could invest this. I don't want to put it in the stock market. I'm I'm a hater. And so what what can I do right now to go out and like find deals and and do this intelligently, right? Because I think well, there's so there's a number of things you could either be what's called a passive investor. So a lot of passive investors would partner. Let's say let's say you would partner with myself, and they would call it a joint venture. And let's say I I found a note for your fifteen thousand dollars, and I said because I found the note, you and I let's say split the the incoming payments and we we would do a, a, a joint venture agreement and all of that and all of that would be laid out in the agreement because Alex because you brought the capital you'll get maybe 60 percent I bought the asset I'll get 40 percent so you'll get four hundred dollars or three hundred dollars a month I'll get 200 you know however it works yeah. out that's similar. And it would work similarly on a larger scale. So somebody said they had $100,000 in capital that they needed to deploy. We would find an asset, a note that met the criteria that they wanted. Maybe they wanted a performing note. Maybe they want, I don't know, $800 a month or something like that. But you got to remember, you'd be splitting it, <laughs> splitting the profits. And uh, however the deal shook out. And you do you do your contract. We get an attorney, of course. They would have an attorney, and um, we do the deal and get a note. They start getting their payments, and, and everybody like wins. If the the note ended up becoming non-performing, which when you're buying performing notes, that's always a risk, meaning that the borrower may stop making payments of some sort. In our agreement, it would lay out what procedures and processes would be followed in that event. How is that investor going to get their capital back, more importantly? <laughs> so okay. we would also agree that, OK, if that happened, am, am I going to foreclose on the property? Am I going to try to modify the loan? You know, and then after, am I going to put it up for sale after we finish the foreclosure, you know, to get you your capital back? You know, all, all of those things. Very interesting. And I guess I'll add one other thing, too, is if you're sold on on notes, and you just want to learn more about it, attend Nova Notes Meetup. Absolutely. Right? Learning is really, you know, it's going to be the next yes. step, I think. 
if you if you don't know someone who's who's actively doing it that you could partner with, that might be a good place to meet someone me, too, right? Can, can I share again? Yeah, please. I want to put the slide where it showed how to contact me. Perfect. Yes. Right. So if your viewers, listeners look on my website, I have a ton of blogs that I've written. I have videos of the people that I've interviewed. You can feel free to reach out to any of those people. Many of them offer note training courses and things like that. So while I don't offer the training, I mean, you know, I can tell you via my experiences with notes, but I'm, I'm not a trainer, so I'm, I'm not training anybody, but these people are actually reputable people in the note space that offer training. You know, feel free to reach out to them. Some of them are attorneys. Some of them, you know, are note investors and trainers themselves. I'm also available on LinkedIn, of course, Instagram, Meetup, come to Nova Notes. You don't have to join, but it would be nice. And YouTube, my videos are also on YouTube. Look up Awana Holdings, just search Awana Holdings, and you can find my videos to pop up and email and my phone number. Well, Z, this has been just really enlightening. And like I said, there's so much out there that we didn't know we didn't know, right? And mm-hmm. so notes is exactly that for me. Yes. And I'm so glad that, <laughs> um, that you've shared all this and that, oh, and I guess, you know, I'll let our audience in <laughs> on my deep, dark secret that you mentioned <laughs> earlier. So I didn't want to put you on blast now. <laughs> it's okay. Like I... I'll tell you, like pretty much I try to hide it to some degree just because I don't want people to get confused about what I do. Because I want you to think, Alex, oh, he's a real estate agent or he's a real estate investor. Because that means we're going to do business. That means you're going to send referrals my way. And that's the only reason. It's not any other thing. But my secret is that I am also a federal government contracting officer. And... I know. And so... I thought he was messing with me when he said that. At first, I was like, what? So <laughs> this is the thing that attracted me to note investing, aside from the fact that it blew my mind when they were talking about it, is that everything that we do in regards to notes is equally correlated to the things that we do in contracting. So you have all the rules and regulations and guidelines and federal this and federal that. And no, you can't do this for that state and the timelines. And I'm telling you, and when when he said that, I was like, oh, man, you are like the perfect candidate for this. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it is a very, it's a niche kind of skill set in mm-hmm. contracting. And you're right. Like we have this ability to navigate bureaucracy and rules and I can see oh, how it's going to be advantageous. <laughs> yeah. It's something that a lot of people will just get overwhelmed with and say, oh, I can't handle it. Yep. And you just it. Else it like, it. wait a minute, you know how to do this. You do this every day. Exactly. Every day. Every I'm day. pumped. Every piece of paper that we deal with. <laughs> well, I'm sold. Like I said, I'm on the hunt for some notes and yeah, we're going to put, put my money to work and, um, and thank you. Thank you so much for, for joining. And, you know, I look forward to just continuing to see your success. And, and one thing I also didn't really say that I really resonate with your mission. You know, I love that you're connected to like opening minds of people who might not have even heard of this 
who might not have ever had exposure to this kind of thing, because a lot of times in our communities, we just don't have that role model, right? And so I just really resonate with that. And I really want to encourage you. That's really powerful. The saying, when you know better, you do better, right? Absolutely. Know better now. (laughs) Well, thank you. All right. We'll end it there.